Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, as always, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show and all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. We've got a special guest on today's show. No Thursday night football games anymore this year. We're on to the Saturday portion of the NFL schedule, so no preview happening today. So we're going to talk Kansas City Chiefs. We've got Chris Clark. He is the co-host of Locked on Chiefs, a very interesting team right now in the NFL, making a big-time addition on the defensive side of the ball, which doesn't happen a lot this late in the season. The Chiefs have the Chicago Bears coming up in Week 16. You can find Chris at Chris Clark NFL on Twitter. And of course, you can find his podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like Locked On NFL and every show here on the network. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to have you, bud. So the Kansas City Chiefs playing some pretty good ball. There was, it was a touch and go there a little bit in the middle of the season. Obviously, the Patrick Mahomes injury, and I think that's the thing we have to talk about first because that's what makes this whole thing go for KC is Mahomes. How's the injury? Where's he at? Is it something that's going to linger into the offseason? Will he not be at 100% the whole year, or is he back to being that guy? I'd say after watching him in the snow this past week, it's going to be very hard to say that he is not that guy anymore. Uh, I think that he's back to as close to 100% as he's going to be. Uh, he's finally over his ankle injury, which hampered him early in the year. And, you know, I think the hand really hurt him, uh, you know, in the game before the Broncos game. But uh, I think he's finally feeling good on his knee and, and he's back to his old self at this point. Yeah, I, I really look at Mahomes and think, boy, everyone's talking about Lamar and Russell Wilson. And do we forget what a force of nature this guy is? And I think it's come going to come around at the right time, playoffs, all of a sudden we'll be talking about, wow, this is the best player in the world. Definitely could be. Uh, he definitely looks like he has that look right now. He is uh, dialed in and hitting throws that he hasn't hit most of the season. So uh, really enjoying that, especially in the weather and, and playing in the snow. Uh, being able to see that is fantastic. Yeah, seeing him make those throws too, and with all the speed that Kansas City has on the offensive side of the ball, which is one of the things I love about the way the Chiefs have been built and they continue to build around him and use those strengths and adding a guy like Mikael Hardman who's insanely fast when you see him on the field with with Tyreek Hill. That's got to be when, if you're a defensive back in the NFL and you see Kansas City on <laughs> on the schedule, you're thinking, oh, geez, okay, we got, we got to cover those guys with someone who can throw it infinitely far, and, and we've got to cover them all the way down the field, and we've got to cover them for a long time because of the way that Patrick Mahomes can sling it. But I love the way that things are being built there for Kansas City, and it's similar to Baltimore. They're building things around their quarterback, and it just makes total sense. And so you can see why those teams are playing great football together and complementary football and how uh, those teams and the organization from the top down buys into what they're doing and the coaching staff and, and the players and everybody's on board and it seems to be one cohesive unit. And I, I love what I'm, I'm seeing in that regard from Kansas City, and I think that bodes well for them going forward. I agree with you. I think that what you're seeing from Kansas City is actually just getting them started. You know, offensively, they have Tyree Kill, and he had a great game against the Broncos. You have Travis Kelsey, who had a great game against the Broncos. But you really haven't seen much from Sammy Watkins this year. Uh, other than the first week uh, where he just balled out and had three touchdowns and close to 190 yards receiving, he hasn't done much this season. 
Uh, he's caught a few balls here and there, but he had and he caught a couple of balls against Denver, but he hasn't been the big play receiver that you were hoping for. So it's possible this offense is going to get better, and that's before you even start thinking about McCole Hardman added to it. Yeah, Chris, if we were to if I were to tier the teams in the league, the Chiefs would definitely be a tier one team with the Ravens being the only other AFC team in that tier. But one of my concerns is when you get to playoff football or Super Bowl against the Saints or Niners, I mean big time games, I I worry a little bit about their four minute offense, their ability to close a team out, you know, just run the ball when everyone in the stadium knows you're gonna run it. And I think that's a valid concern. Kansas City has shown that they're not a great running team right now, uh, and I think that's a very valid concern, Matt. I completely understand where you're coming from on that. You know, you're looking at a team that, you know, they haven't had their starting running back for several weeks now. Damian Williams has been out, and, you know, LaShawn McCoy hasn't been playing that much. Uh, I think Andy's trying to save him for the playoffs. You know, you have Darwin Thompson come in, who's been running the ball well. Uh, and then you add Spencer Ware is more of a blocking back and a receiving back, maybe out of the backfield or your third down back uh, because you're missing Daryl Williams. Uh, but that's a great that, – that is something that is concerning when it comes to Kansas City is that four-minute offense being able to run the ball. I think what you're going to see in the playoffs when they get there is that, you know, when it comes to having to move the ball within that four-minute offense, I think Reed is going to trust Mahomes to make the plays that need to be made mm-hmm. and not necessarily run the ball near as much as – they would like to be able to because honestly their weaknesses in the interior of their offensive line, they just can't get pushed there. And that's really hard to be able to run the ball. If you don't get pushed from the uh, three guys in the middle. Yeah. Real quick. I mean, you mentioned the, the running backs is in your opinion, is Damian Williams clearly the best ball carrier on the team? It's very hard for me to say that. Uh, I I think, well, I think his vision lacks at times. Uh, I think that there's, times when he's running the ball that he just doesn't have the vision where there may be a hole open somewhere else and he just misses it. Uh, so it's really hard for me to say he's the best running back on the roster. I do think that he has value. I think that he has the ability to split out as a wide receiver and can be very useful there. Uh, his speed can be a huge asset. But again, the biggest thing is if you don't have the holes for him, he's going to struggle. And that's one thing that Kansas City really hasn't had this year is holes in the running game like they have in the past. And, of course, on offense, the second-best tight end in the NFL helps as well. So I had to throw that in there. Second-best my... <laughs> tight end. I think you need there's, to watch it there. No, there's been, a, yeah, there's been a lot of arguments going on about um, on the 49ers' Twitter side about George Kittle being the best and Kansas City Chiefs fans coming in and saying, nope, it's still, it's still Travis Kelsey. Uh, those guys are both uh, super fun to watch, complete players. So, yeah, I just but I had to throw that jab in. I actually want to talk about the defensive side of the ball and claiming Terrell Suggs more about – improving the current pass rush or was that maybe in some ways about keeping a guy like Suggs away from maybe the Patriots and especially the Baltimore Ravens when you've got to go potentially into those houses in the playoffs? You know, honestly, I, it's really hard for me to tell you if that was a move to keep him out of Baltimore or New England. Uh, If Alex Okafor doesn't go to injured reserve, does Kansas city claim him? I don't know. Uh, Personally, in my opinion, I think they should have. Uh, regardless of whether or not Okafor ended up getting hurt and now he's on injured reserve. Uh, I think Suggs gives you something. Uh, I like what they've had, and in, in, uh, I believe he's a rookie, Damone Harris. Uh, he plays number – he's number 52, uh, first year in Kansas City. He's, he brings a lot of energy, uh, but he doesn't – he's not Terrell Suggs. 
And Terrell Suggs, one of the bigger things, yeah, he's known for his pass rush, although he doesn't have the quickness and speed that he used to, but he has the bull rush ability. He can set the edge, and that is going to be a huge thing for Kansas City because when you start talking about playoff football, you start talking about teams trying to run the ball, and Kansas City's run defense was suspect early in the year, but I really think they figured out a way to make it a lot more stout, uh, and I think Suggs can help that. Uh, when you start talking about Terrell Suggs and Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Tano Passanio and Derek Naughty all on the defensive line together, uh, obviously not all five of them at once, but I think that could be a stout run defense. It has turned into a pretty deep front, and a lot of those guys don't get the credit they deserve, including Chris Jones, who frankly is one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, just to expound on the Sugg situation, when he was released, I mean, I basically said – why wouldn't every playoff team put in for him? I mean, it, it's right. you don't have to deal with anything with his signing bonus. You give him 1.5 and a check or two for the playoffs and use him in a rotation and you know just add to whatever D-line depth you already have. Absolutely. And it's only costing Kansas City 350000 for the last two weeks of the season. So in my mind, it's a no-brainer. More with Chris Clark coming up, that Chiefs defense and the outlook as we head toward January and playoffs for Kansas City. If you guys are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. For example, you will find a bunch of new George Kittle designs there, which are fantastic. There's a Lucha Libre George Kittle. There is the People's Tight End version of the George Kittle t-shirt. There is the... National Tight End Day t-shirt, officially licensed by George Kittle himself, by the way. Designs for other teams as well. For example, if you know somebody who roots for that football team in Washington, there's a shirt that says, sell the team. In burgundy and gold, Gardner Minshew designs, headbands, and other things when it comes to Gardner Minshew. BreakingT.com slash locked on, then search for all the great gifts and shirt designs on that site. Hoodies, tanks, fun sports Gifts, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Is there any disappointment in Frank Clark? Six sacks so far in the year, and they spent quite a bit of capital 
to go from D Ford to Frank Clark. So the guy that's rushing on the other side from Terrell Suggs the rest of the way here, and I, I know he's played better of late, and he's still a really good player. Uh, but is it is it has it been worth what they had to spend to get him? Do you think? Well, I think what you found out uh, throughout the season is uh, around week eight or week nine, it came out that he's been dealing with a nerve injury that's really given him limited use of his hand. Uh, he hasn't been able to use some of the moves that he used to mo- use in Seattle uh, because of that nerve injury. Uh, and, you know, in the past couple of weeks, he's come out and said, you know, when the season started, I was told by doctors I really shouldn't play. I was about 20% health. Oh, wow. So he played through injuries through the entire season. And, yeah, he's missed some time. And, and yeah, I understand, you know, Chiefs fans have frustration uh, in the fact that, you know, you look at D Ford and he was being he was successful early in the season for San Francisco. And Frank Clark wasn't having much success in Kansas City. But you look at what Frank Clark's able to do now. And it's been reported this week that Frank Clark in the past two weeks has lost 20 pounds because of a stomach wow. virus. Jeez. So, which I get the virus. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you sit there and you look at that and you say, okay, well, you can see where his explosion is back. And, and maybe that's partially weight related. Maybe it's not. But one of the bigger things that I think Frank Clark gives you that D Ford never could is he sets the edge so well. And on a team that is struggling at the linebacker level, that is huge. So I do think that he's a, he's going to be somebody that's really going to help throughout the postseason. Talking about the Kansas City D, there really it's been a pretty darn good pass defense all year, and much better than last year. I mean, they have a pass rush, they have playmakers, uh, the cover people are better than people realize. You mentioned the run defense is starting to round into shape, and I just pulled up Football Outsiders DVOA and. They have Kansas City is their 11th-ranked defense. I mean, I, I think a yep. lot of my audience might be thinking, boy, maybe they're a top-five offense and a bottom-five defense. That, that's not the case. Well, and I really wish that you could look at numbers from about midway through the season to, to now because yeah, I'm pretty right. sure you would see Kansas City's defense has gotten a lot better over the past eight weeks. One of the things that Ryan and I talked about on the show early on was it's going to take time for this defense to gel. You're going to need time. You're going to need games for this defense to get to where all the players are where they're supposed to be. They're trusting each other, and they're playing together. You have eight new pieces on this defense. That's a huge turnover, not to mention a defensive coordinator and a whole new scheme. Uh, you know, you look at you start looking at the back end. Tyron Matthews has been playing fantastic and honestly should be in the Pro Bowl, should be a regular Pro Bowler, and maybe even all pro this year. I think that's how well he's been playing. And then you look at the other guy next to him in Juan Thornhill, who doesn't have a lot of picks, but his range gives Kansas City options of how they line things up, and he's really helped on the back end as well. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Juan Thornhill. I wanted to ask you about him and his development as a rookie because super athletic coming out of college, and he gives you that range where you could put him in the middle of the field on defense and let Tyron Matthew go do his thing. And Tyron Matthew, I'm looking at PFF grades right now. Chris Jones, not surprising, has been the highest graded defender on the Kansas and I think the highest graded player on Kansas City's team and then Tyron Matthews second but Juan Thornhill's not too far behind and it looks like in the last you know two or three weeks he's really come on as well which you know it, it rookie seasons can go really up and down for players but it looks like Juan Thornhill you know rather than hitting a rookie wall has actually gotten better and you're seeing it, that development curve right now yeah I think he's absolutely gotten better and I think that having Tyron Matthew next to him and, and really helping him along uh is really helped his development as well you look at Kansas City's secondary last year and you look at the safeties last year, they really struggled at that position. 
Uh, you know, you had Daniel Sorensen starting most of the year, and while he, I think he's a good third safety, or you know, at least a above average third safety, uh, he's not a starter. He shouldn't be a guy that's on the field all the time, and he's been on the field maybe seventy-five percent of the snaps or sixty percent of the snaps in some games, really just depending on the the scheme. Uh, but he allows them to be able to move Matthew around and Thornhill around, and you know, put him in different places. And, and honestly, this year they've even used Kendall Fuller at safety some. Not very much, but they've uh, floated him back to free safety on some plays where Matthew's been going after the quarterback or Thornhill's up covering somebody. Chris, I just want to make one more note like to our audience, too. Like, you you laid it out that, boy, they, they brought in a new defensive coordinator, a ton <clears> of <throat> new starters. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, why would it take that long for that to gel? And, you know, training camp is great, but these guys didn't play many snaps as an 11-man unit in the preseason. Right. And then the bullets are flying for real. I mean, I'm sure the smart organizations, when they say, you know, like the Bills offense, they brought in a ton of new guys. You know, we're going to revamp this entire side of the ball. If it starts to gel by week eight or so, like you mentioned, great. But it's not going to happen in week one, folks. No, and you deal with injuries in training camp, and some guys aren't able to play. And you know, you're trying you deal to figure out rule these guys are best at too. Absolutely, and you have chemistry issues as well. And it goes back to players trusting each other. And I know that that's maybe something that a lot of people don't think about. But you know, if you don't trust the guy next to you to do his job, it's really hard to do yours and do it well. So I think that's also part of it. And I'm not trying to say that the Chiefs don't necessarily trust each other but that's something that you gain through playing with each other and right. knowing that they're going to be in the right spot. I've got one more for you, Chris. Now looking ahead and obviously the chiefs are locked into a playoff spot. Maybe could get a little help and even have a buy, which I think would be huge for well, it's huge for any team going into the playoffs to get a, a one or two seed in their respective conference. But looking ahead, Patriots Ravens, those are the teams that most likely the chiefs will be contending with to have a spot in the Super Bowl. How are you feeling right now about the current Kansas City Chiefs, how they're playing right now versus where they are last year? Is this a squad that you see getting over that hump and maybe representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? I absolutely think they can. I think they have the talent on both sides of the ball this year. Uh, you know, you look at what they had defensively last year, and it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans will tell you they were a uh, – offsides penalty away from being in the Super Bowl last year, and that's really true. If D4 doesn't line up offsides, Shaverius Ward's interception counts, and Kansas City gets the ball back and is going to the Super Bowl. Uh, but obviously that's not the way it happened, and that's fine. Uh, but you look at this defense this year, they are set up to be able to stop pretty much anybody in the league. And, yeah, I understand that the Baltimore Ravens are 12-2 and and fantastic for them, uh, and they've had a fantastic season. But let's not forget Kansas City has beat them twice in the past two years. They beat them once in Baltimore, and they beat them once in Kansas City. And now, honestly, they'll have to go back to Baltimore if they play them again. But I think they can beat them there. And they beat them this year without Eric Fisher. They beat them there, or they beat them this year without Tyree Kill. They beat them with some of their biggest pieces sitting out because of injury and Frank Clark not being healthy. I think that this team really can play with anybody right now. I absolutely agree. And the last thing I have for you is I mentioned Football Outsiders, and they're one of the only teams in the top third. I think it's just them and the Saints that are in the top third in all three categories. Offense, they're third. Defense, I mentioned, they're 11th and climbing. And special teams, they're sixth. I mean, Andy Reid always has good special teams, and that's coming to fruition again today or this year. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because Kansas City would 
Chiefs fans, and, and honestly, I would as well say that Kansas City's special teams have struggled at, at times. They've had, you know, some botched snaps, some missed calls on, you know, a fake punt that cost them against the Patriots. And honestly, if you look at that Patriots game, New England's not even in the game if they don't get that punt blocked. No, you're right. And in that regard, it, it sounds like there was a fake punt block that was supposed to be run, and half the line knew it, half the line didn't, and the guy snapping the ball snapped it to the punter. So at that point, you know, it's a special teams gap. Uh, against the Tennessee Titans, they had a special teams issue where the, they knew the snap and they were able to time it and, and block the kick. But at the same time, you look at that, that loss against the Titans is the only reason they're able to get Terrell Suggs right now. So in a way, it's almost a blessing in disguise. That is Chris Clark, the co-host of Locked On Chiefs, along with Ryan Tracy. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Clark NFL. If you're not a Chiefs fan, tell a friend about Locked On Chiefs. Chris, thank you so much for joining the show, and maybe we'll be talking to you again in potentially January or even February. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. really enjoyed it. Coming up next, let's see how hard Matt Williamson wants to toot his horn. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL. Again, that's using slash locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers. Okay, Matt, I have a question I want to throw your way, or it's actually a comment. It's a compliment from Brian on Twitter who wanted to give you props. He says, I don't think Matt has given himself enough credit for saying Lamar Jackson was the top quarterback in last year's draft when almost all other experts disagreed, just saying. And there was actually another uh, tweeter from last week on Twitter Thursday. We didn't get to the question, but they had asked if uh, Lamar Jackson was starting to get figured out around the league because he he had a couple of weeks where the, the statistics weren't quite on par with what he was doing earlier in the season. But then again, uh, after last week, he, he threw those five touchdown passes and it's just like, okay, well, that question is out the window. He's still playing at a super high level. He's so hard for people to defend. But I don't know if you want to take the podium here, Matt, and give your acceptance speech for being right about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, not really my style. I've mentioned it a few times. Um, he was just such a great football player at the college level. I mean, he won the Heisman. He was the best player every time he stepped on the field. I mean, what wasn't to like? And I think that what I saw that maybe others didn't give him enough credit for was I thought he threw the football at Louisville very well. I mean, well enough to be a you know, starting NFL quarterback. Was he the most accurate guy in college or the the best passer of the football or Drew Brees with accuracy? No, but I saw enough there and enough arm talent for sure to get better that I thought, wow, You met, when you mix that with everything else he brings to the table, this is a big-time prospect. And last year at this time, I would bring it up, and it, I wasn't getting tweets saying, you should pat yourself on the back for being so smart for saying <laughs> Lamar was my favorite. You know, Baker was tearing it up, and Darnold had finished strong, and uh, Allen looked good. Um, but, you know, looking – one thing I did, though, was this offseason, I went back and watched every one of Lamar's throws in his rookie year. 
And there were some terrible ones. And But the thing was, he threw the ball better as a rookie, kind of like I thought coming out of Louisville, than most people realize. The problem is when the terrible ones were, were so bad that everyone just thought, boy, this guy can't throw to save his life, that he's not able to complete passes. But the bulk of it was good. It's the bad were really, really bad and just stand out, you know, bounce it five yards in front of his receiver and things like that. Um, last year at this time, Sage Rosenfels used to be on the show every Wednesday with me. And I guess Sage and Lamar know each other to some degree and were at some camps together and things like that. And these are Sage's words, more or less, was that Lamar struggled adapting to the NFL football more than he thought he would. And for the people who don't know, it is noticeably different. And if you're, you know, a, a, someone who's so used to the college ball, I could see that being a problem. And I'm surprised you don't hear that more often. I mean, it's not like when you draft a pitcher out of college and you give him a softball to throw. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you gave him a different ball, it would sure be difficult to snap your curveball off or, you know, take a little time to adjust. But he's been phenomenal. Um, I didn't have the foresight to say totally design your offense in this manner around him, but I did say coming out that you better, you know, we'll always talk about pitchers being baseball stadiums. You better have a plan in mind whenever you uh, draft somebody like this. I'm just so impressed with what the Ravens have done, taking it to that degree. The the arm talent is the thing that surprised me, and actually this week, to toot my own horn, someone retweeted something that I had put out there before the draft in 2018 that I'd kind of forgotten about. And I didn't look really deep at the quarterbacks because I was looking at things at that point through the 49ers lens and they had just traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I wasn't really trying to evaluate the quarterbacks. I knew the 49ers wouldn't take one, but I, there was a tweet talking about how I don't know how Lamar Jackson's not the number one overall player in the draft and the first pick in the draft because of the pure talent. And when I heard people talking about him as a wide receiver, I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, he's athletic enough to play wide receiver, but you don't, you don't put that kind of arm talent, which he has, at, a, at, at another position. You develop him as a quarterback. And that's why, you know, the Michael Vick comparisons, I think, are apt. Because Lamar Jackson, despite, you know, some things that maybe you wanted to clean up and the way he uh, set up and threw the ball mechanically, maybe, and, you know, some, some little things and some accuracy issues at times, he has great, a great arm. I and mean, he can flat sling it. And so that's that, to me, was insane that people were talking about him at another position. I thought there was just too much raw talent there for Lamar Jackson and we're seeing what that looks like now and a fantastic uh, offensive coordinator to put him with too and Greg Roman and I love what they're doing there and I hope uh, we see that continue for a long time and as his legs maybe start to get a little bit slower as he goes throughout his career I think his his passing and his efficiency is just going to get better and better and looking at his efficiency right now the dude's got what 33 touchdowns to six interceptions on the year and he's completing 66% right. of his passes. I mean, year two, that kind great of efficiency, zone, great yeah. on third downs, Yards you know, per all attempt, those it's not like he's just dumping the ball off either. So yeah, I mean, it, it couldn't be going better for Lamar Jackson's development development right now. And he can absolutely sling it. And I think that's only going to get better. Yeah. And again, he was my number one quarterback in that draft where there was five, you know, first round quarterbacks, but I didn't think he was going to win the MVP in 2019 either. <laughs> right, yeah. It's amazing how <laughs> you know quickly I mean? it comes. And the same thing with Mahomes, because Mahomes coming out, his arm talent was was obvious. He could make throws, and you're like, well, how the heck did he make that throw? But there was other stuff. Is like, I don't know if this is even going to play in the NFL. And luckily for him, he went to Kansas City with Andy Reid. And when guys get it, 
in the NFL and you have that much talent, it happens so fast. And even with just teams, when teams all of a sudden are good, you're like, I don't know if this team's good. They were bad last year. And then by year, by week five, six, you're like, okay, this team is great all of a sudden. It just, once it comes, it comes so fast in the NFL, it's pretty amazing. And I think we're seeing that too with, with uh, Lamar Jackson as we saw it last year with Patrick Mahomes. Well, while we're tooting my horn here, I'm not sure if you yeah. know this, but I had Mahomes as my number one quarterback in that draft. And not many did. I mean, it wasn't as outlandish as Lamar being number one, but I just saw ridiculous talent. And again, situation is so important. I mean, if he would have went to the Bengals or Browns, would he be doing the? Would he be won the MVP last year? Right. Probably not. Of course not. You know, Reed is perfect for him. But you also might notice that when in doubt, when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, I'm going to take the guy with the crazy upside. Uh huh. Right. So you, I mean, did you love Cam Newton coming out as well? Is like, is that your style? Uh, his accuracy worried me, to be honest with you. Really? Uh, I mean, I, I saw a, a, a very special player. Boy, it's been a while. I, I don't remember exactly what I thought of him, but I do think I, I do remember thinking he was not a touch thrower, and that's mostly been true. But he's also been highly successful. So, if a team that is quarterback needy in the 2020 draft calls you, Matt. Would you ditch me to go help someone draft a quarterback number one overall? I would never ditch you. Okay, good. We could do both. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, Do do the podcast from the war room. Absolutely. I can (laughs) watch film from here and just send them an email. There you go. Scott McClune style. He's helping teams out still (laughs) from his couch, basically. Uh, all right, uh, we've got some good Twitter Thursday questions. We're going to put out an, uh, a tweet to ask for more of those tomorrow, get into some Pro Bowl stuff, maybe NFL 100, see what the hot news of the day is Thursday, and we'll be back with you then right here, Locked on NFL.